In today's news, Horace Mann tries to solve education while we ask, what was the temperance movement and who was involved in it? We will also cover slave resistance as well as breaking down the formation and the goals of the abolitionist movement. Americans' education in the 19th century is often too referred as the common school period. Schools for the masses did not exist prior to the 1840s, but soon after, reformers like Horace Mann and Henry Barnard came into the picture and they created the first statewide common schools in Massachusetts and Connecticut. The Temperance Movement Levels of alcohol consumption peaked in 1830. They were so high that in the early 19th century that historians have dubbed the era the Alcoholic Republic. The goal of the leaders of the temperance movement, who were conservative clergy and gentlemen of means, was to win people over to the idea of temperate use of alcohol. The goals were to stop people from drinking, so they decided to make it illegal, but then crime rates increased when alcohol was illegal. Slave resistance. Slaves had multiple forms of resistance. They had always, they had ways to go against each other and their owners. Some sabotaged, other worked slow and stupid, and a few escaped and revolted. The formation of the goals and the formation of the abolitionist movement. The abolitionist movement began as a byproduct of the religious era known as the Second Great Awakening. The goal was to abolish slavery in all states. Theodore Wells in the 1830s helped form a society called the Anti-Slavery Society. Building on top of that, the Underground Railroad was formed and many other people came forward to stop slavery in many different ways. Speakers and lecturers came forward on the topic of slavery, like Frederick, du Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth. Others, like Harriet Tubman and Nat Turner, risked their lives to end slavery. Tubman, one of the more iconic abolitionists, conducted the Underground Railroad making 19 trips into and out of the South and rescuing the family along with hundreds of slaves who would be freed in the North. Nat Turner had probably one of the most iconic slave revolts of its time. Turner rallied a group of slaves and proceeded to kill his owners. He killed 60 men, women, and even children. He was idolized as a martyr for the abolitionist movement, which to some, or most, was a good thing. Though not all abolitionists were African-American, some, like William Lloyd Garrison and Harriet Beecher Stowe, made great efforts to end slavery by writing the horrors of it and publishing newspapers on it. John Whittier spoke up about slavery through poetry. In one poem by Whittier, he wrote about the oppression and hardship slaves faced. Here's an excerpt from anti-slavery's poems, Songs of Labor and Reform, by John Whittier. Champion of those who groan beneath, oppression's iron hand. In view of penury, hate, and death, I see thee fearless stand. This really paints the picture of how Whittier played the role in abolition. He used words to describe the pain of slavery, which in return flocked to the media and public during that time. The North was a very nationalist, while the South was more sectionalist. The West was a mixture of the two. One of the topic, one of the topic of states' rights, was that the North said that they all, wait, that all the states obeyed the federal government, while the South viewed this in almost the exact opposite by saying states can pick and choose what to obey and ignore, while the West was indifferent and had a fair mixture of the two wide renewed beliefs. The majority of 
Southern Southern states seceded because of the topics like abolitioning, slavery, and notification. The main reason was that they thought their culture and society was being intruded upon and being sorcerer to change how they live. Thanks for listening to our newscast. I'm Alex. And I'm Zamir. Tune in next time. For Chappie News. Let's go with sectional divide question number two. What proposal did the Wilmot Proviso make? A stop to slavery in new states. Correct. Najuba, you're up. Let's go with problems with slavery question number two. Who was one of the first politicians to introduce an amendment to abolish slavery? John Quincy Adams. Correct. Najuba, you're up. Can I have problems with slavery? Question number four. Indeed. What was the goal for the temperance movement? To end heavy drinking. That's correct. Next up is Brooke. Hello, folks. I'm your host, Abby. Today, we are asking our contestants questions about precursors to the Civil War. Our contestants today are Angelina, Najuba, and Brooke. Today, our categories are century reform, problems with slavery, and the sectional divide between the North and the South. For each category, there are four questions. Angelina, you're up first. I'll go with century reform question number four. You may. When did public education become free? What is 1821? Correct. This ends our show with a rare three-way tie. Hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Can I have sectional divide question number one? Indeed. Who is Dred Scott? A former slave. That is correct. Next up is Brooke. I'll go with problems with slavery question number one. You may. What did David Walker do towards the abolishment movement? What is write a pamphlet about the evils of slavery suggesting that slaves should revolt? Correct. Angelina, you're up. Let's go with century reform question number two. Did the Kansas-Nebraska agree with the Missouri Compromise? No, it didn't agree. Correct. Najuba, you're up. I'll go with century reform question number one. You may. When was the Kansas-Nebraska Act passed by Congress? What is May 30th, 1854? Yep. Angelina, you're up. Can I have sectional divide question number four? Indeed. True or false, John Calhoun and Henry Clay were part of the Whig Party. True. That's correct. Next up is Brooke. Let's go with problems of slavery, question number three. Name three major people who supported women's rights. Elizabeth Cody Stanton, Lakrita Mott, and Susan B. Anthony. Correct. Najuba, you're up. I'll go with sectional divide question number three. You may. Who won the Dred Scott versus Stanford case? Who is Stanford? That's correct. Angelina, you're up. Can I have century reform question number three? Indeed. When were African Americans allowed to go to school? The year of 1954. That's correct. Next up is Brooke. As you know, there were a lot of slaves in the 19th century, but not all ended up being one for the rest of their lives. There were many ways a slave became free, and one solution to that was resistance. 
The resistance of enslaved people was very risky, but an opportunity to gain freedom. This meant that slaves were breaking tools, faking illnesses, staging slowdowns, and committing acts of arson. Running away was also another option for the most privileged and determined slaves. Keep in mind that resisting did not always work, and that there were punishments that followed if a slave's master found the action intolerable. Not to mention, but it's surprising to know that even the Underground Railroad was a huge form of resistance. What is the Underground Railroad, you ask? The Underground Railroad was a network of people and safe houses that slaves could go to and get instructions on where to hide and what to do while running away. Obviously, many abolitionists, or people who wanted to put an end to slavery and disliked it, helped in the process. This was done illegally. Abolitionist Harriet Tubman, one of the most famous conductors in the Underground Railroad, helped over 300 slaves escape to the North for freedom. Her contributions made the North realize that slavery should be abolished. Did you know that Michigan was a place where most fugitive slaves escaped to? Many citizens of Michigan helped slaves escape to freedom as well, as safe houses were also present in the state. Now, what was it like once becoming free from slavery? Becoming free in the 19th century meant that you were regarded as a free black. Free blacks were also African Americans who weren't born into slavery. You might think that they were treated like whites in the North, but free blacks were actually discriminated or negatively treated for certain reasons. Even considering that there were many white abolitionists in the North who accepted the fugitive slaves in their territory, they still found ways to make them feel like they didn't belong. On the bright side, free blacks weren't forced into slavery again because places in the North had outlawed slavery and they couldn't be captured by their slave owners, well not until the Fugitive Slave Act was passed in 1850. There were many opportunities after a slave became a free black for an education, jobs, a new family, and just a brand new life unlike enslaved people. It was abolitionism behind this that made things like this possible. Hi, Shania Simpson here, and today I have two important topics we're going to discuss. First, I'm going to explain the differences between lives of free blacks, free whites, and slaves. I'm sure you already know, but just in case you're living under a rock, slaves were African Americans forced to work on plantations for incredibly long hours with no pay. At the time, you could find slaves mostly in the South, but some in the North. Slaves were typically separated from their family and had no freedom at all. In fact, many people thought of them as property or less than human. They worked as day laborers, factory hands, and even servants. Slaves were very religious. In fact, some slaves prayed every day for things to get better, but during this time, things weren't looking good for the slaves. Free blacks. Free blacks were usually slaves that escaped from their owners who were born free or bought their freedom, which was really rare. Free blacks were most commonly found in the North because they weren't as cruel to them as the southern states. Even though they were free, they still faced many problems such as discrimination, not being able to work with whites, or not allowed to receive an education. Many free blacks became abolitionists. An abolitionist is someone who wants to stop or end slavery. Many of them took part in the Underground Railroad or went around giving speeches about the wrongs of slavery. Lastly, free whites. Free whites was European descendants with many privileges in society. Although there were some non-racist whites, many of them felt superior to blacks or better than them. Free whites were wealthier than blacks and had better opportunities such as work, school, church, and public places. 
Many freewrights in the north worked in factories, and many in the south worked or owned farms or plantations. The second thing we're going to be doing is analyzing the goals and effects of the women's suffrage movement. The women's suffrage movement began in 1848 at the Women's Rights Convention held in New York. The main things they wanted was the right to vote and work in better working conditions. For the next 50 years, women's suffrage, women's suffrage worked to educate the public about the validity of women's suffrage. The women's rights movement was under leadership of Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Candy Statton, and more. During the 20th century, an organization called National Americans Women's Suffrage Association, or NAWSA for short. This association was led by Carrie Chapman Catt. After all the hard work the women went through to prove their point, the 19th Amendment was added, and enfranchising women was ratified. Those were, those were just two of the many important events that took place in the world. Once again, it's Shania Simpson, and thanks for listening. In the 19th century, there were many reform movements that changed the course of history. Some of them were education reform and the temperance movement. First of all, providing public education was in the hands of Horace Mann, the crusader in educational reform. Mann was a state legislator who wanted to improve the rundown schoolhouses and make working conditions better for unqualified and poorly paid teachers. After the first public high school was made in 1821 in Boston, Massachusetts created the first state board of education in 1837. Mann decided to work with them in order to provide a statewide public education structure. This is what led to free public American education in the U.S. Another reform movement, known as the Temperance Movement, was a social movement against the consumption of alcoholic beverages. They wanted to stop the use of alcohol because men were abusing it. They used their money on alcoholic beverages instead of on their families and food. Also, many religious activists believed that drinking alcohol was a sin and it was the reason why many started to lose their faith in God and their religion. They also believed that the consumption of alcohol led to societal and personal problems in general. So, in order to put an end to the use of alcoholic beverages, temperance workers handed out pamphlets urging people to stop drinking and they made plays dramatizing the evils of alcohol. They also asked people to sign a pledge to not use alcohol. By 1838, a million had signed that pledge. Other states started passing laws on the ban of liquor. The 18th Amendment called for the complete ban of alcoholic beverages, but was later repealed. This is what ended the temperance movement. These were the two reform movements that changed the course of U.S. history.